0: Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Trail Life Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Stoner. Thank you. For once again, listening in on another trail life journey across the podcast airwaves. Uh, You know, if you like what you're listening to, I encourage you to leave a comment, leave a rating. That way, the podcast could be found just a little bit easier uh, for more people. And that way, it helps us share our stories a little bit more. So, our conversation today, man, what a good one. Uh, Very special one, kind of an exclamation point to a lot of the conversations I had in May about mental health awareness and just really bringing it to the forefront, or at least trying to help bring it to the forefront anyway. A friend of ours, a friend of mine finished out the True Triathlon, which is the largest triathlon in U.S. history or the largest self-supported triathlon in U.S. history. Whichever way you want to break it down, it doesn't really fucking matter. Uh, it's an accomplishment and an amazing one at that. And I can't say enough about this individual. It's 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 a really fun conversation. You know what? I'm just going to get right into it because it's the conversation and the story speak for themselves. Welcome to The Trail Life, Justin True. The Trail Life Podcast is presented by Salomon. For 75 years, their passion for outdoor sports, new technologies, and craftsmanship have driven them to create progressive gear to enable you to freely enjoy and challenge yourself in the great outdoors. Today, Salomon has an incredible lineup of road and trail running footwear and hydration gear, perfect for any runner on any train, no matter the challenge. Check them out today at your local running store like Runner's Roost or on Salomon.com. Well, help me turn the turn in. Well, help me get it right. I don't want to hurt nobody. Well, I don't want to fight. Well,
1: offer me the peace of
0: mind and let me. I was kind of leery about when the right time to ask you to do this was. Cause I know sometimes you probably are a little bit tired of maybe talking about it to some degree, but also I know sometimes it's better to get the story out yeah, right, right away afterwards, right? while it's fresh. So anybody who's listening has been under a rock for the last six weeks to eight weeks here as Justin is prepared to do this and done it and completed it. Give me just a quick, 30 second elevator pitch of what just happened. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, we'll, and then we'll get into the whole entire at like detail of it, but quick elevator
1: pitch, elevator pitch. I I fought a shark, got bit by, or got hit by a car and, uh, broke my feet on highway one. (laughs) Uh, So I, uh, I swam for about three and a half days from Key Largo to Miami Cycled 3000, just under 3000 miles from Miami to San Diego. And then 601.23 miles from Belmont park in San Diego to across the Golden Gate bridge that I ended up running three times.
0: You ran it three times. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I kept telling Brandon, I, I you know, I always, I, I talk a lot of shit. And so I'm like, I, I like it, man. I'm like, Brandon, I'm going to, I'm going to smoke everybody. And he's like, all right, all right. And I'm just talking. Like, I don't know how I'm going to be able to run, man. I'm barely like, crawling. And I just had this euphoric feeling at the end that my feet were fine. There's no pain. I'm like, I'm going to smoke them. He's like, how fast are you actually going to run? You're saying like under six minute miles. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to try. I don't know if I'm going to get it. But I'm going to try. And the second I hit the bridge, I like put all my headphones, the right song hit. Hector was right at the like the first little arch, pounded it. And I just booked it. And then I'm running across the bridge. I'm sprinting. A kid falls off his bike. I catch him. I put him back on the bike and I keep running. And then there's like a superhero movie, man. And then I, I get a phone call and I'm like, who? I was like, who's calling me? I look at it. It's Hector. And I'm like, what's up, dude? And he's like, dude, you got to stop. You lost everybody. And i'm like and so i turned around i stopped and uh waited for brandon and them to catch up and brandon's running with the gimbal man that guy's been living in a car for 46 days <laughs> he is not in the endurance shape to sprint with a camera and a gimbal yeah I, he comes up and he's like <gasps> and uh, it was a good time but uh one of the guys who came in and joined me from long beach never knew him before this um that's a whole story in itself uh he was hurting bad and he had just started the bridge by the time we had finished it right before I crossed the finish line. Um, I was like, Hey man, I'm going to go back. You go set up the camera. I'll, I'm going to go back and like get a good proper runway in. And, uh, as we, as Brandon went forward to go set up, I started turning back and like, you know, man, like I had this epiphany where like this was never about me. This was about everybody else coming together for Mm -hmm. a bigger purpose. And like, I called Tim and I was like, Hey man, where you at? And he's like, I'm just starting the bridge. i was like, all right, I'll be there. So I ran all the way back across the bridge to get him. So at least like he was the last person coming in. I'm like there's not right for me to finish it without everybody else. Yeah. It's not right for me to leave someone behind who brought me to this point without them. I wouldn't have got here. So why should I ring it in without him? So ran back and got him then ran back to the other side with him.
0: Dude, I had no idea. <laughs> man.
1: I, I was on a high man. I was feeling I, good.
0: Apparently I didn't see, I didn't see that on the Instagram stories. I was trying mm-hmm. to follow along as much as possible. And me yeah. being in Colorado doing, doing yeah. a race, I, I kind of lost track of some of the, some of the communication aspect of it, but yeah. I had shit. I had no idea. That's, that's fucking cool, man. And then, well,
1: the funny part is, is, is nobody knew I went back. They they started calling me and said, dude, where are you? And actually it's funny. I mean, funny ish, but kind of Brandon was like, dude, I got nervous. I didn't know where you were. And I was like, what, you thought I jumped? And he's like, dude, it kind of crossed my mind. Like he thought I jumped off the bridge. And I was like, <laughs> I was like, I mean, like what a way to end a documentary about mental health. <laughs>
0: Apparently Jesus. <laughs>
1: but I, I was, he's like, man, I was getting worried. I'm like, why? You thought I jumped. And he's like, honestly, it kind of crossed my mind. And I was like, damn dude. So I don't know. We had a lot of fun throughout it. We, we had, we were just joking all the time. So maybe he just thought, I don't know, but it was a, uh, oh maybe it was just a weird, weird ending, but yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I disappeared. I told him I'd be there in two minutes and all of a sudden he loses me for a half an hour and nobody knows where I am. So <laughs> oh
0: shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that is awesome. So let's start from the beginning as you're getting ready to start as you started on May 1st. And so as you're getting into Florida, the chaos kind of begins right away and it it ended up. And so to, to, to back up just a second, because originally you were going to start in the Bahamas mm-hmm. and then go to Miami. And then that changed because of like the boat and weather, like conditions and all that stuff. Is that, how did, how did you end up getting into the keys first? So
1: basically from, it was, it was a whole mix of, it was like two main things is I couldn't get a captain to agree to go across the, the Gulf Stream with me from the Bahamas. There's one captain that was even agreeing to go with a swimmer, let alone across the Gulf. He just wouldn't do it once he heard that part. And then two was COVID protocol. We had, not that it mattered, but we had two people coming from England. So they'd have to take a COVID test into the US and then a COVID test over to the Bahamas And then we would have to take a test in the Bahamas to go back to the US, right? And and as you know, when you're traveling, like a COVID test is only 72 hours. So Mm -hmm. 72 hours from when you land. There's no way I was making a hundred mile swim in 72 hours. So what happens, it was just, there's so many what ifs, like who do you call to figure this out? And really nobody wants to give you an answer because it's such a weird, dangerous situation. They're like, we're not even going to help you well, how, do you even,
0: how do you even explain that? Like exactly. It's, right. That's, that's the hardest part about it is like, Hey, I'm going to do this thing. Help me. Mm-hmm. Can you help me figure this out? And it's like uh, all these moving pieces. I totally, I totally get that now. Yeah.
1: And, so I'm like, if it, we're literally going to be lost in the Bermuda triangle, cause like, do we go back to the Bahamas or do we go back to the U S once that 72 hours is up? Like, what do we do? You know? Oh, so gosh. it was so many, what ifs it just, and the, then the captain not wanted to do it. So yeah. it just ended up being the Bahamas or ended up being the keys and then there's an the issue, you know, with the keys too, is uh yeah, we'll get into that.
0: Now the decision is to get to I, know, I believe it was Almarada, right? In Florida the keys was that
1: uh no that uh ended up being Key Largo. Key yeah. Largo was
0: okay, so you did start down in Key Largo. Okay. So you get into Florida and the whole entire get in the boat thing, but you also had to get your bikes, get your RV all set up at the same time to make sure that was all squared away. And Mm -hmm. there was a little bit of issue with that, if I'm not mistaken too, right? So everything is kind of, and this is when you're starting the event like this, just tacking on, Hey, there's, it's already a stress situation anyway, trying to get that all prepared and mentally ready to go. And then trying to talk about like, okay, we got to get this RV figured out what the fuck we got to get the bikes all squared away. Like what, what is going on? You know?
1: Yeah. I was so happy to have the crew there with me because there's so many things always messing up that I felt people thought I wasn't trying hard enough or I wasn't doing it right. Or I was just being lazy and not making the phone calls. So I was happy to have like Brandon, there filming it. Um, The other two pieces of the crew actually seeing it, like how much of a shit show this was like, I'm trying to buy an RV instead of renting one. And I'm talking to the loan office. I'm talking to the RV company that they should be like in cahoots with each other, trying to get me the RV. But yeah. instead I'm the middleman where the loan company's like, Hey man, the RV dealership said they sold it. And so I, he's like, all right, well, call them and figure it out. So he doesn't call me back in like a day or half a day. And I called the RV company. I'm like, Hey man, uh, they said the RV sold They're like, no, the RV's here. Uh, I'm just waiting on them for, to do the loan. I'm like, I call back the loan guy. Like, Hey man, RV is still there. And he's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we're just working on it. That's where you call me and tell me, like, hey, man, sorry, we're still processing. Like, I'm in the dark. Like, where's my RV, man? Oh my God. Yeah. And I went through three different loans. A loan company's like, yeah, we'll get this right away. Next thing you know, like, all right, well, you got accepted within a day, but now it's good, we're behind on things. It's gonna take two to three weeks to get the money. And I'm like, this would have been great to tell me right at the start. Instead, I wasted a week with them trying to get it. And then this one that I'm going back and forth with, I'm like the middleman piecing them together. I'm like, why don't you two talk to each other? And like, I'm going back and forth with them all day. And finally, it just didn't work out. I had to go rent an RV. I had to drive. The day before we went down there, I was driving 12 hours to go pick up different things, oh, go shit. get a massage table two hours away, then come two hours back. We went and got the bikes dropped off to get built. Actually, no, we got the bikes. The bikes were there. I went and built them the next day or that night. And then we went, Brandon and I drove a different car to go get the RV. Our car broke down. It overheated on the way to go get it. And we got the RV. We came back. And as we did that, Brandon went to go, we were like racing everywhere against the clock to beat people from like closing time. It was like five o'clock. He needed the camera gear. So he dropped me off at the RV. He dodged off to go with the camera gear. He gets there, they're like, Well, we can't do it without Justin here. And I'm like, dude, I'm not gonna make it. Like I'm 45 minutes away in an RV in Orlando. And <laughs> we're we're like on FaceTime with everything. And the owner and finally the owner of the camera company is like, dude, just get out of my shop. Just take the stuff and go. Like you guys are just a mess. And this sounds like a mess. Trying to, it's hard to keep <laughs> peace, <of>, like <laughs> timeline, but this is how it was. And then uh, we get back to uh the Airbnb where we you're staying at, and we're already ready to go down there. And I get a call from uh, the film crew and I was like, Oh, sweet. Like she should be in LA right now coming out to Miami. She's flying in from Australia, going to LA, then going to Miami. And I was like, all right, cool. And uh, was it somebody joked like, Oh, like I bet she lost her equipment or something. And I was like, yeah, sure. That'd be funny. And then I pick it up and she is bawling, like absolutely in tears. I'm like, Oh my God. Did, like, did she really lose everything? And then she goes, her friend had terminal cancer and she had to not go she had to go back home back to England. And I'm like, Fuck. I can't, I can't like say anything against it. You know, like you need to do what you need to do like that. Obviously. Well, yeah, comes first. I mean... Like, you know, I can't, be, I can't be mad about that. I can't be, you know, it's, it was stressful of course for me, but like, I can't be mad. Like you have to do what you have to do. Like that comes first. Like I'll, I'll just have to pivot. And so Brandon was like the Tom Brady of like <laughs> the film crew, man. Like Drew Bledsoe goes down. I don't think this went how it was, but Drew Bledsoe goes down in the NFL and then Tom Brady comes into the Super Bowl, and, Hey man, we need, we need you to win. And that's pretty much how Brandon was like back in back a year ago when this started, he was just going to run the social media. That's all he was going to do there. We had a big film crew. They were like Emmy award-winning producers mm-hmm. and filmmakers. And we had Brandon running the social media. They, we, had, we, we split ways with them. And then another crew came in this crew that left, you know, that had to back out last minute. Cause uh, you know, live circumstances and Brandon was going to be a co-producer with them. And then all of a sudden they have to back out at the last second, literally the day before we go down to Miami. And my turn i was like, all right, man. Well, <laughs> it's all or nothing, man. It's you you're, like you're in the captain's oh, chair.
0: My God, yeah. Jesus. I, you go- I actually, I actually was, I actually thought about right before uh, you jumped on. I was like, you know what? I should have probably asked Brandon to get on this too. Yeah. And so that way I could have heard both, oh, both perspectives on this because this is nuts. Like oh, going from ridiculous. So, so he pretty much gets thrown into the entire filming aspect of it. Yep. Just last minute.
1: And that's why we had that issue where I had to go with the RV. He had to drop me off and go run to the, to the film store. So we pick up like some more gear. Cause he came out with like not gear to film an entire documentary like yeah. he was assisting he was gonna he was hoping that she was gonna bring a lot of the gear and so we just had to scramble we had to get a bunch of sd cards we had to get more batteries um uh, for the drone for the camera we had to get so much stuff for hard drives for the for the footage like and this is all like the last minute and like it just was it was mind-boggling and i'm like i'm just glad you guys are here to see it like you guys get to see me like run around like with my head cut off trying to get everything together like this isn't how it should go. Like it should go smooth, but instead like I'm the athlete where I'm supposed to be swimming for the next four days and I'm stressing out with this. Like that's usually not how it goes before a big game. Like you usually get a chill, you recover, you're in a spa. No, I'm like, everything could be crumbling right before my eyes, before this even starts. And, you know, trying to hold it together was a big thing. And, you know, it's kind of what we do. Like we have to pivot, find a way and we move on. And, uh, that was only the start of it. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was even Jesus. half of what happened. We, we talked about it yesterday before I dropped Brandon off at the airport in San Francisco. I was like, man, remember that day the car overheated? And he's like, what? No, not really. And I'm like, exactly. That was the worst day ever for us until the triathlon started. And then so many more things happened. A whole storm happened to where that became like an easy day in life.
0: And that, it's, it's all perspective right there. I mean, that's, <laughs> where, that's where it shifts, right? It's like terrible, terrible, terrible. Then all of a sudden something even worse happens. You're like, I don't even remember that anymore. Yeah. You
1: realize the bad things really aren't that bad.
0: And probably by, I mean, you're, you're talking to them like this, like six weeks after you started. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, that's almost like a lifetime ago too, when it's all said and done, but, um, all right. So you get past all, you get the RV, you get the bikes done, you get the boat, you get, you get onto the boat, you get guys get started swimming. What's the, uh, walk me through some of the, uh, some of the swim portion of it, what, what did you run into during the swim and 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 how, how did that go?
1: So the first error, the first issue with the swim that really threw a wrench in it was our numbers based off the 50 plus mile swim, 50, I always said 50 to 60 because it was 50 in a line. You're going to get 60 miles probably with like drifting and, you know, everything. You're not going to swim in a straight line. And so yeah, uh, we got on the boat and basically goes, Hey, um, we're not going to go into the Gulf stream. So basically the gulf stream is the world's fastest current in the world. And it would at least help me like, you know, maybe two miles per hour average or is okay. it like two to three to five mile per hour average speed, I believe. And he goes, we're not going near it. So we're actually fighting counter current the most of the way. So now I'm like, all my numbers are based off this. Like I can't swim, you know, 15 to 20 miles a day. Against countercurrent like that's just I'm not that strong of a swimmer. I'm I'm the epitome of fake until you make it. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, actually, we got on the boat at 11:30 at night, and I'm getting ready to swim at like five five a.m. Five six a.m. I'm hopping in the water. So we're just getting onto the boat. We have to go through protocol. We have to get all this done, and it was a terrible night of sleep and fi- figuring out I can't go into the gold stream. Now the plans changed, and I'm like, this is a nightmare, man. So. We get down there, and um, yeah, first day is just so cool. Like, I can't wait to see the clip. I I relate it a lot to fighting back in the day where uh, I fought in the Roseland up in Portland, and there's four flights of long stairs, and you're walking up them, and you know you hit one, turn the corner, hit the other one, turn the corner, and as you get up there, the noise is getting louder and louder, just feet stomping, because you're below deck. Yeah, The feet are stomping, and you turn, you open up the door there's like the fight curtains and you're back there and you hear the, you see the lights, the gleam of the lights, you hear the, like the battle going on, people hit the canvas. And then all of a sudden those open up and there's the cage. And then the cage is right there and hit those two little steps. And then it's like, boom, like you're in the world. Like you're in that cage for good. And that was what it was like waking up in the morning. I'm on the front of the boat. It was like, we had a catamaran. I'm on the front of it and we're weaving through the docks and coming out up into the, uh, up to the mouth of the ocean. And it just felt like the, I was walking through those staircases. I'm coming through and I'm just like seeing it in the distance. I'm seeing the horizon get bigger and bigger and bigger. Mm-hmm. And we're starting to open up. And all of a sudden we like hit this point where like the sunrise is perfect. Like it's just come up over the horizon, both the posts on the side, mark the end of like the docks and the canal. And then it's just boom, like we are in it. And I just felt like that was right when I hit the cage. And I'm like, what the hell did I just sign up for? <laughs> and, uh, I don't know what got me to jump in the water. Like it still baffles me. Like I look at the video and I'm like, I just kind of jumped in. Like I had to, like, there's no turning back now. And, uh, yeah, it was wild. It was freaking wild. Uh, I saw a lot of sea turtles underneath me, which every time I saw a sea turtle, good things happened that day. And, uh, saw lots of schools of fish. Um, the one day I didn't see a sea turtle. It was a shark. And so the shark is a big story. A lot of people ask about it. Wasn't a very big shark, and people go, "Oh, okay, well, that's not that bad." It's like sharks still have teeth. Like <laughs> get out of here.
0: Oh, yeah. So how how so <laughs> for the for the listener who didn't see any of that, how big was the how big or how small I guess was the shark? I guess
1: I would say like probably four feet.
0: Okay.
1: May, anywhere from three to four feet, I'd say. Um, and then yeah, it was you know I didn't know what it was. Uh We had hand signs for like what a shark would be to call to the catamaran and. Every now and then I had uh, my swim coach would be the kayaker. She'd be kind of near me sometimes, uh, not all the time. We had a dinghy for Brandon to get on and film. Um, they ran over me at one point. Um, <laughs> Brandon and him were on the dinghy.
0: <laughs> it was like, okay, what? No. Hold yeah, on. <laughs>
1: so I, I, forget what, I forget what day this was on, but I was swimming. And the water's rough the first two days. Obviously, I didn't know the water was rough. Um, I had a really hard time adjusting to swimming in the ocean. I don't have a lot of open water swimming like experience and my coach kind of mad at me she's like you told me you swam in the open water your times don't line up with your training peaks i'm like no all my training peaks are accurate i just never swam in like open open water i swam like between coves but i didn't swim in like 20 mile per hour knots like yeah like these waves were like big and i'm like drinking water and so i was honest about my training i just there's big, big difference between shoreline and open water. Yeah. And the waves were gnarly. I'm sitting there trying to sight the boat and I can't sight. I'm like drinking water every time I'm sighting. And I'm like, I can't do this. I'm freaking out day one. Like that. I can't sight the boat. I'm zigzagging this way. I'm completely going back to land while they're in a straight line. They set the, they set the autopilot to a straight line to Largo or to, to Biscayne Bay, like in Miami. And I'm like, directly back towards shore and they're like where are you going I'm like i'm going my own way i don't like you guys like i was getting angry like and so yeah we had to figure out how we could uh sight so a lot of people were like why is the boat behind you when you're swimming i'm like because it was easier for me to sight and look over my shoulder and just a yeah. glimpse so i would just always line up with it so that's how i would sight and so they were behind me uh when the shark was there so every for three days i never freaked out like I would see a turtle, and I like turn over my back and be like, oh turtle! I make a little turtle sign, and it keeps swimming. Like I never freaked out. And uh, day three came, and I, I just looked underneath me. There's days I saw like a big barracuda. I looked up yesterday; it was a barracuda. I named him Harold, the harmless barracuda. And uh, I caught him swimming. Like I, I was stroking to my my left hand, breathing to my right, and I look at him. And I'm like, whoa, he's big, big fish. And so like I started like watching him. He does like a full circle around me, and I'm watching him. And he just kind of swims away. He hung out for a little bit and then went. I was like, "All right, cool." And then the shark—I don't know how I caught him, but he was underneath me. And uh, I stopped. I see him, and I, I pop up, and I'm like waving for help, like frantically, I, "Help! Help out!" I'm yelling. And then <laughs> I look back down; and he's shooting up at my feet. And so I scramble my feet in like a circle to get him to kind of go away. And then I go back up to breathe, and I'm calling for help again. And I go back down; he's shooting back up at my feet, and it's like this game, probably three or four times. Uh-huh. And this boat—the boat's like crawling up to me. I'm like. What the? I was like, can you guys hurry? And then finally, like this one time, he comes so close. I'm like, I might be able to kick him. Like I don't want to, but I might be able to. And so finally, he comes up, and I kick him in the nose. And everybody's like, oh, if you hit a shark in the nose, they're very sensitive. Like they'll go yeah. away no no (laughs) someone commented on the live they're like if you hit him in the nose coming from a shark expert and i was like coming from a shark survivor (laughs) (laughs) but uh no it was it was just like i was just making fun of it but uh yeah i just like the energy in the water got very aggressive very quick like the fact that hit you in the nose and you didn't go away now i know you're angry like you're just not gonna get punched in the face and not be angry so he like stayed around i'm like oh shoot Like, and then I can kind of see like a mouth open when he came up and I'm like, oh, damn it. The Mm -hmm. boat starts coming up. And one of the guys is standing on the front and I'm like, are you guys going to get me out of here? What? And they're like, what's wrong? It's like, there's a shark. Like, I'm literally freaking out in the same spot for like three minutes. I'm like, what do you think I am messing with? Like a manatee? I was like, get (laughs) me out of here. And they're like, oh, swim over to the boat. And I'm like, the boat should come to me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) You know, I get on the boat. And I, I started swimming towards it and the shark finally leaves. But as I'm swimming, I'm kind of like watching him to make sure the shark finally darts away. And I'm like, is this our protocol? Like, why couldn't you guys get to me faster? And the captain's like, this is fast as we can go. And I'm like, this is the protocol. And that like really scared me at that point. We're day three, end of day two or day three, I believe it was day three. And I was like, this is our protocol. Like if that was a great white, or if that was a tiger shark, that's our well, protocol yeah. Yeah. three to five minutes. What if that was a 10 foot shark? Like, i was just like this is not funny anymore i always worried about it but like now it's real like there could be more around this area this is a baby one like where's its mom where's the other one where's his yeah. friends and so i sat on the boat for about five ten minutes under 10 minutes and i was just like you know what there's no point to wait like let's just get back in and go i can be angry all day and like sit here and use this as an excuse to like wait it out if i wait an hour i still don't know if he's gone i wait two minutes he could be gone too like I might as well just get back in and leave. So got back in the water immediately and kept swimming. And that was about it for the day. But, uh, for the rest of the day, I always saw shadows. I was just, every time I went to go breathe, I was like pretty much looking directly behind me.
0: Always Um, looking for that, for that shark coming back at you.
1: Yeah. And I thought, I thought I had it, man. I thought I had a 270 degree view. I, all I couldn't see was behind me. That was it. But I was like, I thought I had it down. Anything came in my bubble. I would see it. And Brandon was beside me on the dinghy and he got it on video, a giant sea turtle, like a massive sea turtle, probably like no more than a foot and a half away from me. And I was like, that's really cool. But that's also really terrifying because I didn't know he was there. He he swims. I'm swimming north and he's swimming south. And he stops and looks at me and just like watches me, like turns his head as I'm swimming by and, you know, in his head, he's like, what the is this guy doing? Like, this is my commute every day. I've never seen you. And then I pass him. And then he just turns his head and keeps swimming. And it was like, it is the coolest experience, but also like freaky to know that something was a foot away from me. And I didn't know it. It turned real. And then the third, the fourth day I was dying. Um, I was so tired. My, my shoulders both hurt the whole time. I'm like, I said, I'm not a very good swimmer. I'm just really stubborn. And, my whole right shoulder hurts because of like my imbalances the whole time. My right holder shirts, my right shoulder hurts. And like, even the captain can notice he's like, is he hurt? Like his right shoulder, like doesn't really stroke very well. You could tell how it just like flop it. When I'd go to swim, like, like yeah. a broken wing and my left shoulder started hurting on the last day. I started getting really bad, like chest cramps and I wasn't sure is was my heart, is it a cramp? The last thing I want to do is be a weenie and be like, Oh, I'm having heart problems. And they're like, it was a muscle cramp. So yeah. I'm like, I'm going to risk it. My left shoulder started hurting really bad. To the point, it hurt so bad that I started, literally, I put it to my side and I'd swim with my right arm. I'd throw my right arm and I'd rip as hard as I could. And then I'd fake stroke with my left shoulder and then swim with my right arm. I did that for a couple minutes and then they still never pulled me out. Even on day one and two, when they're like, the captain was like, hey, should we pull him out? Like, it's pretty rough out here. He was like, the, the crew was like, no, nah, just leave them in. There's times where I was up on the side of a wave, I guess. And I'd go to stroke and there'd be nothing to pull. There's no water, just air. And so I'm excited to see how the video goes. Um, but day four, when I was dying like that, uh, my coach, Laura, she said at the start, she's before we started, she's like, Hey, um, we need to have a code word in case like something really bad happens. Like, what do you want me to say? And I'm like, well, nothing now. Cause now I know the code word. I'm going to know pineapple means shark. And so I was like, just I'm stupid. Just tell me anything. Like, tell me my, my, like my, my stroke sucks and you need to fix it. And I'm going to come over. I'm stupid enough. I'm going to believe it. Yeah. And so she tells me to come over, say, Hey, Justin, like, come over. And I just think like, I'm dead tired. I'm like heavy breathing. I'm panting. I'm like hyperventilating. I can't breathe and I'm hardly moving. And so I hop on my little orange buoy. I'm sitting there holding it. And she's like, all right, Justin, now grab hold of the kayak. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. What's up? Grab hold of the kayak. And I'm like, Oh shit and I'm like, not what I need on day four, not what I need. This is the final day. Not what I need. And in my head, I'm like, dude, anything she says, she could, she could say there's a swarm of like goldfish. And I would say, all right, I'm done. I was looking for any excuse to quit. And she goes, and I was like, hundred percent. I'm like, whatever she says, I'm done. I'm not risking this. I'm over this. I'm done. And she goes, all right. So there's a couple. And I was like, I'm dead. I'm dead. I don't care a couple of what. And I was like, the fact you made me grab the kayak and there's a couple I'm I'm done. And she goes, there's a couple Portuguese man of war over to the side and i'm like how far i pull up on the kayak and i look and they're like probably like 20 feet away all through the start like i said i talk a lot of shit i'm like oh it'd be cool to see like portuguese man where it'd be cool to get stung and have like a cool story i was like no nope don't get touched Don't <laughs> at get that t- point t- no <laughs> i was like don't get touched do, like do they come for you she's like no they don't come for you they just follow the current and i was like uh, said, all right we're gonna go this way you're gonna hide behind the kayak and we're gonna book it and so we end up getting away from them, but man, it was a weird feeling seeing them that close. Like they are creepy looking, like they look like aliens. And so. And you just see them. They're like a giant floating bag on top of like the water just floating towards you. And so it's creepy. There's a lot of stuff with the swim uh, day one and two. I fell asleep in the water mid stroke. I, I was I've, six heard,
0: I've heard of I've heard of runners falling asleep on the trail, but Dude. I've never heard of anybody falling asleep in the water as they're swimming.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, like I talked about a waterbed, man. Like, oh, Jesus, I, <laughs> I, was, I was six hours in six hours. in, like I said, the day before we got on the boat like at eleven thirty. I hardly any sleep the whole day before I was stressed, bad diet. The two days before, yeah. uh, six hours in, I just fell asleep and I knew I fell asleep. Uh, and I was like, wow, I gotta get out of here. Like crawled up onto the boat and I passed out, we got back in after like an hour nap and then swam the rest of the day. Day two, I fell asleep again, but I didn't know I fell asleep this time. I put like right arm forward, left arm forward. And then I just floated like Superman. And then they had to tell me what happened. They're like, you like fell asleep again, like bad. And I was like, shoot. So that was a, definitely a first
0: Jesus. Uh, so it took four days, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. What was, um, what was your average daily, uh, swim totals?
1: Shoot. What was it? If we did, I want to say it was around 10 miles. Cause it was about three and a half days. There was, you know, I always wonder like what the whole back to the documentary, but like, I don't care. Um, it'll be cool to see it. But, uh, there was a, I got medically pulled on the last day after the whole jellyfish scare, like she could tell I was in bad shape. Like I've never breathed heavy. Like I'm, I have pretty good cardio. And she pulled me back up on the boat after two hours and uh two hours I swam for two hours that morning. And she's like, Hey, we got to get you back on the boat. Like you don't look right at all. Like you're like hurting. And like the way I was breathing was just nuts. And Brandon was scared. Brandon's like, man, I've never seen you like that ever. Like you look terrible. You look like you just couldn't breathe. You were, you are panting. Like, I got on the back of the boat and pretty much like, passed out. And I was like hyperventilating on the side, trying to get air. And they put, uh, we were always checking my, like, you know, not just my heart rate, but my blood pressure, my oxygen levels. And so, uh, we checked my blood pressure and it was like through the roof. It was super high. My heart rate was 50. So it was like, I was hardly working but like I'm barely breathing and my oxygen levels were super low. So I don't know if anybody's listening that is like in the medical field about it, but she threw out a bunch of terminology I didn't get, but she's like, your blood pressure is through the roof, dangerous levels. Your heart rate is super low for two hours of swimming and your oxygen levels are crazy low. Like you just can't get in enough air. And so you're on the borderline of getting like a heart attack. And so she's like, here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna let you rest and we're going to put you back in the water you can either go straight for an hour and not hit land, or you can turn to the left and hit land and get your beach landing. And like, I, if you know me, like, I don't take, like, I don't like that. Like to me, it's fake hitting, hitting, hitting land at that point was fake to me because I didn't earn it. Even though it was right there and I had to swim to it. It was, it wasn't real. I said that I was going to swim this. So I like hold myself to a very high standard, even though I knew I wasn't going to reach it. And that was the thing I was like, oh, do you want us to hop forward a little bit so you can hit land? It's like, I don't want to hop forward ever. If I fail, I want to fail in the middle of the ocean. I don't want to fail coming up on land and right. like pretending that I swam the whole thing. And they're like, no, we're not going to pretend. We're going to tell the truth. And I'm like, to me, it's a lie. To me, it feels fake. I didn't earn it. I don't want it. Um, and the, so they had to kind of like talk me off the ledge at that point and like tell me like, hey, like, it's all right. Like you're getting better. Like we're not going to let you swim. Like you're lucky we let you in another hour with how you are. And so finally, like I busted into tears. I was freaking angry. Like I just felt like I failed everything, everything that I've built in this last year and a half, I failed. Like I, I, I dropped the ball. Like what's the point? And so, uh, yeah, put me back in the water and I had a mile to go and I just booked it as fast as possible. Like I was angry. I was hurt. And I just wanted to get it done with, I wanted to at least like finish strong of what I had left. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I like, yeah, it sucked. It really sucked having to do that. And so afterwards I got a lot of, you know, negative feedback on social media, which sucked. Cause it's like, man, if you were on the boat, you would see, I didn't want this. Like, I didn't want this at all. It was actually the other crew that made me do it. If it was up to me, I would have like just swam out into the middle of the ocean and like rolled over. But, uh, yeah, so it was, it was a rough finish. It wasn't what I wanted.
0: Yeah. I know that you had a lot of negative comments coming back at it. And, and that's the thing is you get everybody who sits behind their phones and behind their computers that don't know what's going on, mm-hmm. uh, in the, in that moment, you know, and it's, it's, it's tough. I mean, you guys got to do what you got to do, but do I remember seeing though your mom was there yeah, at the yeah. finish? So, and you had no idea. No, nah. <laughs> tell nah. me about that experience.
1: Yeah. Like Brandon knows, like if he interviews me about my mom, I immediately start like kind of choking up. Um, but I have this block, of where I can't cry in front of her. Like back in the day, I think we've talked about before in the previous podcast of like the injury that the, what happened to her getting attacked. And mm-hmm. ever since that moment, I can never cry in front of her, no matter how hard I try. And so um, I try to let it go. I just can't, you know? And uh, yeah, I was pulling up, I, I was pulling up to the beach. I kind of see it. Brandon, Brandon was beside me on the dinghy. Laura was the but by my side, Brandon went ahead to the, to the beach and then Laura went ahead. And I kind of see every time I went to go breathe, there's more people on the beach, and I was like, "All right, there's like four or five people. Like, who's here?" Like, and uh, I didn't I had no idea. I had, I had my assumptions of who it could have been, but um, yeah. it wasn't. And then as I got, I literally didn't see. Someone asked me the other day, like, "Do you notice as you came closer, you had your goggles?" On? I was like, "I literally didn't know till I took off my goggles. So I could tell there's someone. The second I took off my goggles, like, wiped my eyes, I could finally see it. And uh, yeah, immediately just hugged her." Um, and Brandon had the camera and I like almost choked up. It almost happened. And then immediately I just like shut it down and like me, all emotion was gone. And so (laughs) it was a really special moment. Like I had the perfect song playing in my head. Like I had my headphones on the whole time for music. And it was just like this epic moment, this perfect moment of like this song about love and like, you know, coming together and holding each other. And like, that was my mom right there. And so it really like is the perfect lyric of this perfect. It just, it couldn't have been any better is the perfect line in the song just hit right then and there. And yeah. So a lot of the time, you know, um, I made a reel with it on Instagram of what Laura filmed and a lot of the time on the bike or especially on the run when I actually could be on my phone, I played that reel over and over and over again. Mm -hmm. Uh, Cause it just kind of fired me up and got me like, got me emotional to just go.
0: Oh my God. Yeah. I mean, I, I saw that, uh, play out on Instagram and I was like, dude, that, that had to have been one of the coolest feelings. Like you're, yeah. you're going through all that struggle just to get this thing started. You go through the struggle in the swim and here is, here's your mom sitting <laughs> on the beach waiting for you to, to welcome you. And I, I was like, dude, yeah. you could not have asked for a kind of a better ending to that portion of, of the, of the try.
1: Yeah. Honestly, yeah, um, awesome. I mean, the, the ending of any leg, I think that was probably the most special one. Like oh, yeah. just cause I had to fight. Yeah. I had to fight for the bike and had to fight for the run, but there was, it was swimming. It's just a more on the bike. I could talk to people on the swim. Yeah. I could talk to or on the run. I could talk on the swim. It was like me, it was me the whole day by myself, just thinking to myself and talking to myself and just constantly afraid of, you know, sharks, even as I'm swimming up to the final mile to get into shore. The yeah. final hour I was like, I was like, Oh, I'm going to book it. And obviously I'm hurt. And you think about when you're hurt, you splash more. And so I'm like, well, I don't want to, I don't want to replicate a hurt animal. So I need to like fake that. I'm like perfect form. And I'm like, you know, it slows me down. So I have to be more careful with my shoulders. You know, I'm scared. I'm like, man, even if I'm 10 feet from the shore, a shark could come up and get me. So yeah. every day I was such on high alert and like just my sensories was just fried every day. High alert, fish, shark. Turtles, um, Portuguese man of war, just the waves. It's just, yeah, it, to finally get to that moment where I could just, I was on land and it was all done. I didn't have to worry about it anymore. Um, and then have my mom there was just like, it couldn't have been any better. If you had that on any other leg, it wouldn't matter. Like that swim was like the perfect moment right there.
0: How, how long did you get a chance to? see her and hang out with her cuz you guys you you pretty much you got down with the swim and you went right into the bike so there wasn't yeah not a lot there's no lag time at all so no. um uh, did she have a chance to see you and hang yeah. out with you a little bit for a yeah. while
1: yeah and- probably probably too long for what i wanted cuz i'm so like go 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 um yeah. the everybody wanted to kind of chill and I'd go have dinner and i'm like the bike ended or the the swim ended earlier than what i wanted you right i want to go till the very last day and we ended around midday because of, you know, the medical pool. And I was like, well, get me on the bike then. Like if I can't swim, get me on the bike. And so we took the rest of the day, kind of chilled, sat on the boat for a bit and, um, sat on the kind of anchored out. And then we had to, you know, it was a long motoring back to the dock that we were supposed to be based at. And obviously I can't swim into that base because it's a, uh, you know, heavy traffic in Miami for boats. Mm-hmm. So it took a while to get back in, we had to unload the boat. We went out to dinner. And then next day we hopped on the bike. So we got a little bit of time to hang out probably, you know, half that day. And then, um, she left that night and then we headed, headed out in the morning to go cycle
0: You're now getting out of the swim. So you've gotten the, probably one of the worst aspects out of, out of the way. So, you yeah. don't, have to, don't have to worry about all of the extra stuff alone in the water and everything else. And you get into the bike portion and the bike portion <laughs> is intriguing to me because of all of the shit that you had to deal with from, getting hit hit by a car to all of the flat tires and all of the bike. I'm so curious to hear now, like, because every single time that I was watching on Instagram, it seemed like you were going through another bike, another pair of tires, another like having to stop along the side of the road for this and that, like, yeah. and that's, Man. and most of that was just getting out of Florida and getting out of Alabama and stuff. Right. It was, yeah. <laughs> so uh, walk me through how the, how the bike kind of played out. Cause where your, your bikes were ready to go and you had two Two bikes, yep. yeah. ready to go. So, did you have any issues in the first, the first day or two?
1: Yeah, I actually broke that? my Orbea before we started. My like twelve thousand dollar bike that was donated. I actually broke it before I even started. Um, Wait, how
0: did you break it?
1: Because I'm a Neanderthal, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> basically we're. we're Uh, so like I said, I put the bikes together myself. Um, I wanted to save every penny I could. So I was like, well, I'm going to put them together myself. It's not that hard. It's like Legos. And so everything's put together. We are going down to Miami and all I need to do is put the pedal on the crank arm. Right. And I start, I start driving and these are like, you know, these are fancy like tour de France bikes. Right. All it Mm -hmm. takes is like finesse, finesse it in right now. So (laughs) I'm trying to screw the pedal into the arm and it's not going. So, I actually have Brandon hold the other arm and I'm like, I'm like, I lost 30 pounds over this. Like I'm pretty skinny now. Like I was pretty freaking big at the start of this, like 230 pounds, like pretty strong. And I'm in the back of the RV as we're driving down, just cranking, cranking the pedal onto the arm. Everything I got, I'm sweating. I'm holding, I'm telling Brandon to hold the other arm. And I'm just driving this in and in my head, I know I'm, 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 I'm misthreading it and I get it on and I'm just like, I broke it. I broke it. I knew I broke it. I put it on the wrong one. I realized that I didn't even check if it was the right or the left. And I broke it. And I'm like, well, let's think about it this way. You can only buy a pair of pedals. You can't buy one pedal. Right. So i yeah. will well, take the other pedal and jam it onto the other arm. So, <laughs> so I'm like, well, here we go. So I grabbed the other one. And I start jamming it onto the other one. I'm like, all right, this isn't working. And so luckily, uh, you know, with like the gratefulness, the like of the wolf pack man, save me, uh, this guy Ernie out there who we let us park the RV at his place. Um, I have never met him, man, never met him. We have an RV renting an RV that costs X amount of money. Plus all the bikes, we had Hector's bike on there as well. So we have like a hefty amount of bike equipment price wise on there. Like, and I'm just trusting this guy. I don't know. But he's part of the wolf pack and i asked hector to verify for him to vouch for him and he's like yeah I man, he's a good dude he ran 100 miles in like 17 hours and i'm like well you can't really be a shitbag if you've ran you don't have time to be a bad person yeah. if you've ran 100 miles at all you're too busy running yeah. so i was like I, I trust him and um i told him hey man like while we're on the while we're on this like could you possibly find a bike shop that could re-thread my my pedals And I actually tried on the way down there. Like I used to be like in construction for a bit. I know how to rethread stuff. And I was trying to get it on like Ace Hardware stores as we were driving down to Miami from Indian Rocks Beach. And I'm trying to like find the right pieces so I could rethread the the crank arm and all this. Like most people have teams for this. Like I'm trying to do all this as I'm going and I have to swim in the morning. And um, so I'm stressing out, couldn't find anything. Ernie um, basically finds one shop in Miami that can do this for me. And they're like, you didn't re-thread it. Like re-threading would be one thing. You literally jammed it so tight, you spun it the other way. Like righty-tighty, lefty-loosey. Like mm-hmm. I spun it left and in. So <laughs> I don't know how it's possible. Basically, day one, I'm like, I don't know if I'll be able to use like my like main weapon for this for this bike. Like I'm going to be stuck with one bike the rest of the way you know, like trying to get that Orbea fixed was a nightmare. And luckily he found somebody that fixed it and uh, we were good to go by the time we started. But, uh, that was just before we even got on the bikes, another problem. And then I would say Florida was more so a lot of drama, a lot of crew drama, um, which is something where you said, like, when's the right time to ask about the triathlon and like, I'm always up for talking about it. It was probably more so right after it. I'd be more emotionally attached to it and probably yeah. more, more emotionally angry about how things played out versus talking about the details But um, of the actual physical event. But yeah, there's a lot of drama in Florida. Um, just to sum that up, I stopped at a at a rest stop on like day three or something. And I was so sick of the group. I was sick of them. I stopped. Every time I got to the aid station, I've told them all this, I don't care. Um, I, I liked <laughs> I felt like I was Dr. Phil. Every time I got back, there was three, three of us, three others plus me. So four. every time I got back to the RV, it was like Dr. Phil, one person would pull me away. And then like drama, another person would pull me away in drama. And I was like, I'm literally suffering, suffering out here. It's a hundred degrees in Florida. I'm cycling for four hours. And then I come back and you guys just are whining. And I'm like, can I get a break? Can I get a break for 15 minutes, my 15 minute break to eat and recover? to get back on the bike is filled with being Dr. Phil. And I'm like, finally on the third day I was over it. And I actually, um, stopped at a rest stop. I called my buddy, Alex. I talked to Hector for a little bit. I talked to a couple people. And, uh, one of them messaged me and they're like, Hey man, I think your tractor's broke. It's not really moving. And I'm like, yeah, no, I'm just sick of you guys and don't want to hang out. And so (laughs) I sat there, I was like, I'm not coming back. And that was almost the point where I was just done all this hard work. And I picked the wrong people to be out there with me. That would support me. It was more so emotionally draining. Um, a lot of negative energy day three, there was already talk of I'm not going to be able to do this. Mm -hmm. Hey man, you're not gonna be able to do this. Like we're going to have to jump ahead. I'm like, this is day three. And I'm like, this is going, I was like, this is going exactly how I planned. I planned to build up to 200 miles a day. I'm not going to jump on. I'm not a cyclist. Like, I hardly cycled for this. I'm peaking as I'm going. I talked to people, a guy, Mark Beaumont, who cycled around the world. He's like, hey, man, you're not going out the gate fast. Go out the gate slow and build to 200 miles a day. Like, Mm -hmm. don't come out and try to hit 180, 200. Like, build slow. That's where we were. We hit 100 100 the first day because it was a half day because we got started late because of the bike issue. And then we got 120 the next day, 130. And then we were building. And then the guy was like, Hey man, like, you're not gonna be able to do this. Like we're going to have to drive ahead to like be able to make your time. And I'm like, I don't need this man. Like you're, I was so demoralized and crushed. I saw my dreams, crushing everything. My, my, my hopes, my dreams that this was going to be something great. I had the best team in the world. I had a friend who I thought was my friend and instead was just, just stomping into my heart. And I was just like, we just had to send him home. Um. Yeah. So after that, man, we were cruising. It was fun. Um, we were flying. It was my swim coach Laura and Brandon and I. We were back to like loving it. We're having beers every night. We're like cruising, man. We're having a good time. And uh then once Laura had to leave, she was supposed to leave in New Orleans. And with the loss of the other team member, we kept her on a little longer. Hector flew out to New Orleans. And since we were going slow, he had to drive back to Mississippi to meet us and caught him in Pascagoula, Mississippi. And that was just a good feeling. Getting getting able to see him again and ride with him a little bit. Uh, it was just a big upbringing after all the drama. And, you know, it was good to have like that kind of brotherhood back there again. Mm -hmm. Um, It just felt amazing to have like his support and him back there, man, just someone who I can confide in. Like I'm a big, I'm a big person on loving on other people. And like, just like being able to hug him and be like, fuck man, like, thank you, man. Like I need this. Like, I need someone here to just like be there for me, you know? And so it was really special to have him out there. And then Laura left in Houston and after that, it was like Hector, Brandon, and I. Which you know, that's like a good crew. <laughs>
0: that's a shit show in itself, in and a different, yeah. in a whole entire different manner, <laughs>
1: right? It was, it was, good, man. We were just like knuckleheads back together again. So it was, it was cool. Well,
0: and then that, once that just goes uh, to show you, like, what kind of like what crew can actually do, dude, to unreal. to bring up the the athlete itself, right? Like, all it takes is just one one person not having the right mentality to support, and it, mm-hmm. it totally shifts shifts the game. So I'm glad that you were able to figure that out. I don't want to say it's so early because it wasn't that early, but it was still early enough in the bike where you're like, yeah. you're still in you're still in Florida. You still yeah. to make it you still haven't hit the halfway point of of the United States yet to you know to figure that out. So I'm glad you figured that out early enough that you didn't get all the way to Texas and you were just like cuz Texas in itself brought it on a perfect. lot of a lot on uh an issues. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah, there's a lot of help through Texas which made it such a massive state so easy. Yeah. Um, you know, this guy Chris, he came out. New Orleans was cool. We had so many people from the wolf pack come out that, you know, I can mention them all, they all came out and helped in so many ways just didn't cycle with me, but just came out and like said what's up, like gave us some Gatorade, gave us some drinks, like exactly. just the hospitality. And like, you know, it was almost I had to battle this thing of like, I want to go fast. I want to fly through this, I want to crush it. But then I gotta remember, man, it's about building community and it's about people coming together and talking and be able to see these people from across the country who like this message touches them and helps them. Um, was a special part. And so some nights I was up till midnight hanging out with people because you know, I'm like, I should be in bed at nine or 10. Like, yeah, I shouldn't be up just chatting, having beers, but it's like, it's what it, it was what it was about. And so we got to, we got to Texas and this guy, Chris pulls up. I didn't know. I didn't know him at all. He pulls up in his truck. He finds me on the tracker. It's like, let's go. Justin true. Like all this stuff on the back of his window on his truck. And I'm just like, I don't even know who this guy is. Like <laughs> he just pulls up on me. And I'm like, dude, that was just the greatest feelings so that got me hyped up. And we're cruising into, it's up above Houston into Austin. Um, uh, this couple, Adam Meg, came down from Dallas. And uh, they cycled with me for two days. Chris was out there for three days with us. Um, it was just so much fun having people cycle literally from above Houston, just north of Houston, all the way out of Austin, Texas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I had a buddy who I work with. I worked with him out in Taiwan for a bit. And I didn't know he was coming out. All of a sudden, he pulls up. and We're in the desert in Austin. And he pulls up on a Hummer, like foldable bike. He's like, what's up, Justin? I was like, who is this? I'm like, like, where'd you come from? Like, it was just, it was that, like exactly what you said. People coming out and supporting and that crew mentality of just so much positivity. When I came back to the RV and people were pumped up, people were having fun. Now I get to decompress from the stress I've been through for the last four hours on the bike. It's a hundred degrees. I'm suffering out there to come back for that 15 minutes and just have fun with people and talk. I, I hit over 200 miles on days where I had two hour breaks, just chatting with people because my performance was that much better when I got back to those shifts Mm -hmm. versus when the drama was hitting and I had 15 minute breaks. I was barely combing 130, 140 miles because it was so draining. Like we need to decompress during our breaks. That's where the beer comes in. If that's your thing, that's where chatting comes in where let's just, talk about random stuff. And then I'll get back on the bike. I'll do my thing. I know what I have to do. You don't need yeah. to tell me what I need to do. I'm an athlete. I perform. Just get my mind off of it. And uh, it was, Texas was a rad place. Texas was super fun because the people, the people made it. I had a guy who I didn't know, Frank. He came out with a toilet because our toilet broke because Brandon high centered the uh, RV and got it stuck.
0: It's so still I, one of the best photos. I think that I, I saw on the whole entire trip was. <laughs>
1: <Yes>. <laughs> I know I, I, I had to force Brandon to get that. I was like, <laughs> that was a normal thing, man. I was like, man, I, and, oh uh, man, that brings up a story. I was, I was going on the toilet and we're on the side of the highway and, uh, this cop pulls up and I'm on my phone. So I don't even notice him. I'm kind of holding the door and he pulls up back here on the back of the RV. I'm holding the door. So traffic can't see me. Yeah. But obviously you can see like my naked legs just sitting there. And I kind of like look up from my phone. There's a cop sitting there in his car. And I was like, oh shoot. And I like, I pop up and I kind of like pin against the RV with the door and I'm like pulling up my bib. (laughs) There's a turd underneath it. like You know, and I'm like, dang it, man. And I like walk right over to him and I'm hoping I can like block the scene of the toilet. How long has he been there? I don't know how long he's been there. And so he didn't see it or played off like he didn't see it. But uh, it was super funny. I was like, "Oh man, I'm I'm gonna get a ticket for pooping in public." But there were <laughs> so many fun times, and yeah, once it was Brandon and I, man, we were like a well-oiled machine. We yeah. flew like I'd pop, I'd wave him up. He was always behind me. I'd wave him up, like, "Hey man, get ready, bagel," and boom, down it, eat it, five minutes, and I'd be off. Like, yeah. and we were just well-oiled, like two hundred plus easy. How many? So that's uh, just performance. The crew is everything.
0: Yeah. Did you have like how often were you having to swap out your bikes? because obviously there's obviously mm -hmm. there's always going to be tire issues and all that stuff but how often were you able to switch out and and shift shift uh shift the two different bikes so at the start i
1: was doing it every single four hours just so those hot spots like didn't become an issue but eventually you know something went wrong with the bike the orbea since i once again am a neanderthal i'm sitting in the aero bars and i'm like ripping the aero bars there's so many bumps so i'm like pulling oh yeah and I'm heavy. I'm a heavy guy at that point, like 230 pounds, and the arrow bars is a lot. And um, yeah, so they broke. Basically, I'm riding, I'm riding through Texas, and the arrow bars break. Like they come off as I'm on them. And I'm like, oh shoot! And so Hector had to take that bike up to Austin and like find somebody. Basically, I cracked the carbon stem. Hector had to find someone who can fix that. So for that point on, I was on the the Fazari, which is a road bike for hour, however many days till like we got it perfectly fixed. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously after I got hit by the car on day two, which is another thing we, we breezed over, I got hit by a car on day two. Uh, I didn't want to be back on the Orbea a lot of ba- you know, first I break the pedals and then I get hit by a car and then I'm like, this, this is like bad juju here, man. Like, uh, so I stuck to the Fazari. and so I got really accustomed to it. And then, you know, the Fazari, I think I just blew out the tires completely. So I got stuck to the Orbea. So at the start I was swapping them out all the time every 4 hours. And then finally I just was on the Fazari for a couple of days straight and I'm like, "Man, I love this. I love this bike." And then the Fisari broke where I had to get like fixed big time. I just didn't have the time to fix it. And it was just Brandon and I and Brandon didn't really know how to work on it, so I had to take the time and I was like, "I'm just going to stick on the Orbea." So I stayed on the Orbea for uh you know, for a couple of days and after that I loved it. Like I never wanted to switch out. Like if I had to switch to the Fazzari, I do whatever I could to keep the Orbea running. Uh, we got maybe four to six to pop tires. Uh, over like twenty five hundred miles till yeah. uh, till El Paso. Hardly any, and one of them was like my fault. I hit a brick in the middle of the road, literally like a brick. I just didn't see it. <laughs> I, and I, I I'm surprised I didn't go flying. But my tire just <laughs> exploded. It was on the Fazari And to uh, that state on the Orbea, man, I like I'd hardly try and I'd go twenty miles per hour. So when I was forced to get back in the Fazari. I'd had to force myself to go 15, and I'm like, I need the, I need the Orbea back, man. Like, I need a back. Oh man, I really liked just holding on to it. I didn't want to get off it ever. So, um, after, by the end of it, Texas, I was never getting off the Orbea if I didn't yeah. have to. El Paso to San Diego, there's two days. I got eight pop tires in two days. That was frustrating.
0: Oh well, I mean that's that's frustrating just for the fact that that stuff is just so small. That it, you know, if you pop them off and pop them back in, it just it just takes up time. It's just tedious yeah. bullshit, right? It's not you're not breaking your stem. You're not. You know, it's just it's just tedious fixes and stuff. I want to go back to the uh, getting hit by car thing really yeah. fast because I want I don't want to breeze over that. That was on yeah. day two. So you'd still be in Florida at that point in time. So Florida man, what's what's what would be the headline for that? Florida man hits. <laughs> it's hit by granny. <laughs> it's hit by granny. <laughs> so uh, what what happened there?
1: Oh man, I'm cruising like. Honestly, I was pretty scared the first day getting on the bike. I was leaving Miami and I'm on the highway. And I'm like, I almost backed out at that point again. Cause I'm like, I'm on the highway, man. Like this is scary. There's no shoulder. There's semis blown by me. Like, you know, I got through the first four hours, hit our break. And I'm like, oh man, I made it. And then I'm like, I have to get back up there again. Dang it. I just dodged cars for four hours. What are you more afraid of? Animals or people? I'm like, probably people, honestly. Animals like don't want to hurt me. People like are just stupid and will hit you. And so I, uh, I think on day two, before I got hit by the car, I got blown off the highway by a semi and I was just like riding the, like on the side of the road, man. Like I was in the aero bars. And I'm just bumping everywhere, like trying to hold it still. So I didn't crash. Um, yeah, day two, I end up cruising. I'm on like a side street cause I'm in a busy street and I'm going this way. And I, and there's no camera. So I'm going straight and this lady is trying to take like this side turn in front of me. And, uh, she doesn't see me at all. And I'm paying attention, but like, I didn't know she was like, to the last second, she was like turning. She didn't have a blinker on or anything. So she turns and kind of cuts in front of me. And she would have T-boned me had I not hit my brakes. But I hit my brakes and like, I'm not an athletic person at all. Like, I'm not very agile, I'm very clumsy. And so somehow it's the most ninja move of my life. And I wish we would have had it recorded. Like, this is my, this is my story of all time. <laughs> I somehow unclipped my right foot. The bike, I start turning with her to kind of like not just T bone her now. So I, I hit my brakes so she doesn't T bone me. Now I'm going to T bone her. And she's like in the Toyota Corolla, let's say. And I like start turning with her. My right foot comes unclipped. I start turning more. My left foot comes unclipped. And as I'm like leaning into the car, I like hurdle the bike and put it down I, like lay the bike down hurdle over it with my right foot stay on my feet hit ran into the car with my shoulder and started running alongside it to stay on my feet and so the bike ended up with like a couple nicks like totally fine um and then i ended up hitting the car like i ran into it at like full speed bumped into it not my proudest moments but uh i just saw red and <laughs> like i like i said man i'm a neanderthal i tried ripping the car apart um, I just, I yelled, I was like, what the, and she just looks at me and she's just like, gives me this like, meh, sorry. And I just like immediately through, I just tried busting through the window. And the last second before I tried punching through the window, I thought this isn't a good idea. Yeah. And so I pulled back, my hand was bleeding. I tried, I tried kicking in the car door. I tried getting in the, I just saw red. Like, yeah. I'm just like a person where it's like, I do have a lot of anger issues from like my past. And I, when something happens like that, like like the shark, man, I, I meet aggression with aggression, like whatever the, whatever the energy level is, I meet it. And so a car hit me, so I'm going to hit it. And I just didn't think about it. And so probably well, if, she's, not-
0: if she's shrugging that off though, too, like, Oh yeah, sorry. You know, I'm yeah. not, not actually getting out to yeah. talk to you about it and everything else. I could, I could kind of see how the frustration level goes. And and again, mm-hmm. you're at that time, as you said, you're probably dealing with a little bit of the crew issues Right. And trying to figure that out. So it's just, it's kind of compounding and building yeah. up and building up. And, and, and finally
1: I could just let it go. This <laughs> happened to be her car oh and I tried, I tried getting in the car cause she wasn't getting out. And so I'm like this six, four monster trying to break into your car. And I don't even think she knew that she, that like, she caused the collision. Like maybe she didn't know. So she just sees me pop out of nowhere trying to break into her car and she just drives off. And I'm like, and so this guy saw it and he was like, Hey man, I saw the whole thing. I'll call the police. And so cops came, fire amb- fire trucks came and everything. And we just chatted about it. Like there's, they filed the report, but nothing was pretty much done. And yeah. like, that's the shame about it is that like, I think my physical like prowess, like I'm very, like I say I'm not athletic, but like, I'm like, I'm aware and I'm physical. <laughs> like I can bounce back after that. But like, had that been anybody else, like there's a good chance they would just got T-boned and hit. You know, okay. that's the sad part about it is like, she did hit me, but since I'm fine, they're like, oh, it's fine. Let's not worry about it. I'm like, nah, she could have easily just hit me from the side and killed me or anybody. Exactly. Like we need to like kind of fix that. Like we need to find her and be like, Hey, like you need to like chill lady, you know? Cause that could have been, she could have killed somebody just because she's not paying attention. That's the upsetting part, you know, is that we brush it off because and I mean, this goes back to mental health. You see somebody like myself and you go, Oh, you're fine mentally. Like you don't have any depression or like emotional issues. It's like, just because of what I look like, doesn't mean like there's nothing going on inside. Like I was shooken up, man. Like I was scared. That's why I reacted the way I was like, fear is a derivation of, you know, or anger is a derivation of fear. Like mm-hmm. scared, you know? Yeah. So, yeah.
0: Well, did you have any, and once you got out of, florida and out of that area you didn't really have any other issues along the road right because there was some times you definitely were cruising on the highways yeah but you didn't have any other issues with semis or nah getting close got to a little
1: you. sketchy in mobile alabama i got off the highway and ended up going through some side roads in mobile alabama that i know i did not belong in um, yeah. very very red based neighborhoods and i'm you know, I'm dressed in all blue and I'm on a blue bike and I'm, I'm a, you know, a lone white guy on a very expensive bike riding through the hood. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I need to get out of here. So there's red, everybody's in red clothes, red shorts, red shirts, red cars, red interior. And I'm like, I'm just getting stared at, man. People are like walking towards the road. Like, I think they're going to kind of cut me off. Cars are kind of like pulling up next to me, like just cruising. I'm like, fuck man i need to book it like that was pretty that was pretty hairy like i need yeah. to get out of there
0: how uh was it two weeks out on the bike roughly uh,
1: oh uh three remember
0: three, three three weeks on the bike yeah and you were averaging you you and you were able to build up to that 200 miles so once you hit uh what el paso area or even austin you were hitting hitting that 200
1: yeah every day yeah Yep. nice yeah so that was nice
0: All right. So you get into, so we'll fast forward a little bit. We'll get into San Diego. So you you Mm -hmm. get into the San Diego area, getting ready to do your run. Like how, because you're shoulder for the swim. Mm -hmm. And I think I I saw you go through the bikes and stuff, but now you've got to have some saddle soreness for sure.
1: No, 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 no. By the end of it, by a week into the bike, everything was gone. My hands were really messed up. Like my hand, my
0: whole oh, just arm from, was
1: bruised from just sitting on the bike. So yeah, my, my hands were the worst part, but saddle sores, nothing is good.
0: Oh, that's amazing. Being three weeks yeah. on a bike and no, no saddle yeah. sores at all. That would be my, that would be my fear is, yeah, oh, you start terrifying. going. You're just you're just rubbed raw all the way down to your bone in between your yep. legs. It would, it would just suck. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I was scared of it, man. The first day when I was switching out bikes, I was switching out bibs every single time. So I was so scared of it. And then eventually, okay. I just never switched them out. So I'm like, yeah, I'm good.
0: Yeah. Any issues with your with legs as you're as you're going that, that whole entire three weeks? Um, because you, you really, I mean, again, you're you're shifting from one sport to the mm-hmm. next here, so there's no pressure on your, on your joints whatsoever. except your shoulders, you know, issue for the swim. And then all of a sudden you're now you're on the bike where you're just beating your legs to hell. Yeah. Three weeks straight. I mean, did you have any issue going from, uh, initially going from bike to when you started your run?
1: Uh, the swim to bike. The only thing I issued with the start was like, you're basically in a full plank. So my shoulders and tries were super dead. So that was obviously an issue, but my, my legs during the bike were fine. Um, I thought it'd be a lot harder to get over hill country coming out of Austin. There was a massive hill with like 50 mile per hour winds one night. That was just like, it was like wrestling a bowl. Like it was ridiculous. 50 mile per hour winds. Like I've never been so exhausted in my life. Um, so I thought that'd be a little bit more beat up getting to the run, but the big issue was my feet from the bike. Um, my feet went numb a lot. My toes went really numb on the bike all the time. Um, and I tried everything people said, wiggle your toes as you're cycling, like clinch them. But the cleat was pushing into the palm of my left foot. I, I both feet, but my left foot in particular was the one that was always giving me issues. It, my, it would just feel like they were on fire. Like there was a torch to them. But the second mm-hmm. I stopped and I walked, they'd be fine. Oh, there's a point of getting heat stroke and uh, food poisoning in Texas. There was that. That was a bummer that put me out for about a day and a half, I believe. Yeah, that was brutal. That was awesome. <laughs> My phone was broke. I couldn't get a hold of Brandon. So he didn't know where I was or what I was doing. Um, and I was just struggling. I was so dead. Finally, he came back and got me. Um, I had to yell at the RV because he was far ahead. I'm like freaking out. I was like, get over. Because he was just driving. He's just, I can just picture Brandon like just... Yeah. Just driving down just, the road. Just like,
0: listen to a song, just kind of hanging out. Yeah. Maybe, maybe like, a little bit of a, of a story yeah, <laughs> as and he goes along. Him. I can't
1: call him because my phone's broke, and I'm like, it was pretty scary <laughs> not having a phone with stuff like that. You know, it's 107 yeah. out. It was 107 at that time and heat stroke. And then I realized that I had food poisoning as well. Once one of the guys that was with us, Chris, got it as well. And I was like, oh, this makes sense to why I can't eat or drink to get myself back healthy. Mm. So that was a really, really tough part but getting onto the run, the only issue was my left foot. Uh, it pretty much blew up into a blister on day one or day two. I just felt the whole thing. It was like a balloon, just being like blown up with helium, man. Yeah. I just, and my whole left foot blew up with a blister. I have really tough calluses on the bottom of my feet. So I'm sitting there taking like Brandon's big, like hunting knife and I'm trying to like carve underneath like the blister. I can't get it. Um, or under the callus, I can't poke through the callus we get a needle. I'm trying to poke through it. I can't poke through the callus to get it. Cause it was so deep underneath the callus. I couldn't reach it. Yeah. And finally I had a blister on my arch that I peeled from the arch of my foot and I peeled it all the way up to the ball of my foot. And basically yeah, I was still ahead of myself. I didn't think about cutting it and then taping it or, uh, super gluing it back down. So basically there was like, a you know, a huge open wound on the bottom of my foot, like massive open wound on the bottom of my foot that I ripped off the skin. I didn't, I should have taped glued it down. Cause that would have helped prevent infection. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like I just have to keep it clean. Like it wasn't the worst. It was stupid, but it wasn't the worst thing in the world. But that really, that really hurt. Um, I walked on the side of my foot for about a day, a whole, like seven miles in 10 hours on the side of my foot and to the point the next day, my foot was cocked to the side. and I couldn't straighten it back out. Um, I woke up that morning. And I, I woke up somewhere in the middle of the night. Uh, we stayed at my buddy's house in LA and I woke up in the middle of the night. I'm right. I'm like maybe six feet from the toilet. And I tried getting up to go to the bathroom and I couldn't feel my foot. Like legit couldn't feel my foot, couldn't feel my toes. I tried to put my foot down to walk. I, I just couldn't walk. Like I couldn't yeah. feel my foot on the ground and it was kind of scary, but I just, yeah, I don't know how I got to the bathroom. I just kind of hobbled my, my, not like my right foot's any better. Like my right foot still hurts. I'm hobbling on it, like jumping on my right foot to get to the toilet. And so, yeah, I tried to go that day. I couldn't go. So we just kicked it at the house, trying to recover my foot, try to bandage, bandage it back up. I went and bought crutches because I was like, yeah, if I'm going to do it, man, I got it. Like I got to keep moving one way or another. Like crutches are fine. They're kind of like big hiking sticks. So, you know, um, Next day I tried it and I got about five minutes in and I was just angry. I looked at my watch. and It was like 34 minute miles. I was like, I'm never going to make this. Uh, I called Brandon, Hey, come get these man. I'm done. I'm going to run. He's like, you're going to run. I'm like, yeah, man, just come get these, threw them in the car, put on my shoes and just started running. So yeah, my foot was so swollen. I actually bought a, a shoe size, one and a half my size, like, I went one and a half sizes up with the extra wide soles and my Mm. left foot would still barely fit in my shoe. It was so swollen. So and I wore those new balances for the rest of the run. Like (laughs) I I couldn't fit in my other shoes. So I had one pair of shoes from like day two or three to the end of it. So
0: yeah. It kind of one of those things I had a chance to see you Mm -hmm. uh, as you came through San Diego. And what I thought was really cool. and, And you mentioned it when you were going through Texas and how you, had people coming up and cheering you on and just coming mm-hmm. by to say hi. Like what I thought was really cool is every single time that I saw one of your stories on, on Instagram, as you were on that run, you had somebody new with you, right? You had yeah. that, that new crew. That had to be from, from that perspective, that had to have been kind of a nice change of pace where you always had that fresh Conversation mm-hmm. that fresh perspective, that fresh insight, the you know the new motivation, so to speak, uh, with everything. And and for the most part, you had somebody with you the entire the entire way. Like most, yeah. of the, like I know I was with you for only seven miles, but there was people started with you at Belmont Park all the way up to mm-hmm. Camp Pendleton, which is quite interesting. With the Camp Pendleton thing,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you were a little bit late getting up there and you, when you cross camp Pendleton, if anybody is unfamiliar, camp Pendleton is obviously Marine base, military base. So you, so you got special permission to, to cross, cross camp yeah. Pendleton, but you have to do it with, uh, with escorts, right? Yeah. So, so one of the things is you didn't want to, and which I thought was actually really nice of you, you you were like, no, I'm not going to make those guys do escort me through Camp Pendleton because Camp Pendleton is also, once you start Camp Pendleton, you have to go all the way through. Like there Mm -hmm. is, it's what, 20, 20 ish miles of just straight road access where there's nothing, nowhere to get off. Right. So Mm -hmm. you had to, you had to go back. How was it? And I've, I've always kind of been curious. I've never had a chance to go through Camp Pendleton like that, like to have that road by yourself, kind of had to be kind of cool in yeah. in that in that setting right yeah
1: the the worst thing that could have possibly happen to me was having everybody with me on the first two days because i haven't like you said i haven't walked or been on my feet for how long like yeah. i probably took 100 steps a day on the bike maybe yeah and then you know first day i get everybody with me and i'm running or like i'm run walking then with you like we ran kind of like quite a we ran like a mile would walk a bit run a half mm-hmm. a mile and i'm like so i'm like kind of hyped and that like really backfired on me because I should have took it easier. Yeah. But I was like, like you said, man, I was just so hyped up having everybody with me. It was so fun. Yeah. And then the same thing with Camp Pendleton. I got to Camp Pendleton. I'm like, I have people in cars, man. Like I want to finish this for them really quick because they're escorting me. So I want to get them on with their day. I don't yeah. want to walk 20 miles, but I probably should have for like my sake. I probably should have. Yeah. I said I ran. So I ran through Camp Pendleton and yeah, it was cool. The guy who's escorting us, he was pretty high in command there, probably like first or second chair uh as we were run through we passed one of the police there and he's like oh shoot i didn't think about this you have really long hair like you don't belong here like there's clearly because we got like permission but there was just something with i forget like what it was but it was like it was bad that i had long hair i don't we had permission but we didn't need permission because as long as he's with me it was okay yeah there was something weird about it i can't remember it was kind of like, dang it, man. Like we're going to have to explain a lot or explain. We're at least going to get stopped and have to explain. It, I think is what it was. Cause he's like, we're going to get stopped a lot. Cause he didn't know me. He didn't know I had like, you know, hair past my shoulders. So mm-hmm. he was like, dang it, man. Like, I hope they don't stop us. Cause everybody else here is shaved head. Like you, you're, you don't go here. Yeah. We made it through super quick and it was fun. Um, but yeah, like you said, we, could have either gone through the night or started the next day in the morning which is what we did so that was really the best way to do it went through in the morning it was really cool just having it like to myself having like a three-car escort uh yeah yeah, couldn't really couldn't really film so it felt kind of like you know secretive yeah and i'm the only one who's like ran across it in that fashion so it was kind of cool and then got out of it and could kind of hit the coast again
0: well like i said i think it's kind of like that it's kind of nostalgic in a sense, like you're, mm-hmm. you're, you've got this whole entire area to yourself that nobody else can see what whatsoever. Yes. So I thought that'd been, I mean, and to do that during the day is even better because you would have, you've got to kind of miss that at night. And you wouldn't, yeah. even if you were, even if it was just hitty evening, like that eight o'clock, nine o'clock, you still would have missed a lot of that, you know, mm-hmm. and, and instead of doing it. If, did you get, did you actually get started at 5.00 AM in the morning or 6.00 AM in the morning on that day?
1: Mm, i don't think so i think we got started about like seven ish okay we got started late
0: so still super yeah late yeah. but still early enough where it's not too bad but who had the best who had the best uh surprise as you came in
1: oh that someone who surprised me randomly i'd say you man <laughs> 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 I, was, I was trying to think about it i was like yeah I it's had, so I funny it. we we're, were sitting there running and we were i forget we're we were talking shit about somebody And so um, we were like talking about somebody and then all of a sudden we just hear like somebody from across the road, like yell something and we're like, oh, shoot and it's you running across the street and like we didn't expect that at all man so that was super cool
0: yeah sometimes you don't want to see a big 265 250 guy no. running right at you you don't really want no. to see that too often no because you
1: forget <laughs> about who you're talking about like shoot man were we talking about this guy coming up <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh shoot you heard us you were i actually heard brandon talking about me so i i figured that's that's what i'm gonna go i'm I was going to wait until it's my time. time. It's my time. Now I'm going to go. Yeah. So I almost, I almost tackled him, but I figured I better not. Yeah, no, that that was super (laughs) cool. I love
1: that, man. We've been talking about it, but I can't remember where we were at, but yeah, we were talking about somewhere. So that was really cool to just pop up right there.
0: Well, and you and I kind of talked about that for a quick second. And the tracker thing is interesting to me because I was chatting back and forth with Hector. And so Hector actually told me, he's like, Oh, he's at Torrey Pines right now. So I kind of knew, and I took the train down from my house to meet you guys. So I kind of had that, uh, the timing figured out like, okay, they're going to probably be in Solana beach by this, this point. And, you know, but I was also following your tracker. And then when I asked you about the tracker, you had kind of brought up a good point. Like, Sometimes that tracker if it's upside down underneath a shirt or or your phone or something it might not read yes. the, read the satellite so that had to have been kind of frustrating too in a sense where you always had to make sure that that was positioned correctly so people mm-hmm. kind of knew right and uh, yeah we we talked about that so yeah oh, yeah it could be it could be 4 or 5 miles off it could be yeah. right on point so I know
1: I, I look I look at the tracker now and there's some spots where it's just bald because like it didn't all the circles are where it pings and there's times where it just didn't ping and it was like or it tried there's times where i think i was in the mountains you can see a trend on the highway one on the coast where it didn't ping it was usually when i was on a like an inlet or an outlet i forget which one but you can see where it didn't ping because the mountains are in the way and it was a trend that went up and then yeah it just happened because yeah gps tracker what a what a thing you have to can't even shoot through a piece of fabric it was like we you need to put it face up towards the sky and i'm like I want to just tape it to
0: my head. Fucking technology, right? I mean, come on. <laughs> yeah, we can we can get somebody to space in a in, in a pseudo yeah. rocket, but you can't get a GPS tracker to ping a location it, to ping a location underneath a bunch of stuff. Like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> oh,
1: man, yeah. Who knows?
0: Six hundred and how many miles? Six hundred one, six hundred two miles total. Six hundred point two three. <laughs> <laughs> get it
1: right. Get it right. Yeah, I'm gonna save that so I, I was yeah i was pretty picky on it because the guys we you know where let's just say where we were run where you and i were running together uh where was that at um where you've done the you've done your run at uh the kooks run
0: oh yeah we did the uh, encinitas area yep
1: yeah like encinitas like you just think about that where we were running this is like a good insight for people like we were on the main highway right there and they put the aid station over by 7-eleven now it doesn't seem that far but going over to that then going yeah, back across to the, the start, street and- over 600 miles. Like I was projected to hit 620, 630 miles because in that first hundred, I had done a plus like five. And so you yeah. like start times. And I'm like, dude, if you guys don't land right on my station, right, right on my route, like I'm going to be going an extra 20 miles. I'm not doing that. Like yeah. you guys. And so I became kind of like a diva. I'm like, Hey, like I'm not going to you. And there's one time where they were on the other side of the highway. I'm like, I'm not jumping fences. Like, you guys need to be on my route because like, you know, it was, it adds up real quick.
0: Just added extra stress. Like you just want to mm. be able to hit the, hit the quote unquote aid station right to it. You don't have to make that even, even like you said, going across the street, across the highway, you know, a mm. couple traffic signals, you don't want to deal with that. You just want to yeah. get it on the, uh, on the route. And get yeah. It for you.
1: Yeah. So but I, I understand like, it's hard to get it right where it is, but at least as close as possible because it added up. Added yeah. up real quick, around I'm like
0: six twenty, man. Sheesh. So you followed the you followed the Highway One the entire way. Yep. Right?
1: All right. Wait, so, yeah. There's well, obviously there's
0: yeah parts where you have to you had to get off a little bit here and there, but shit, if you're gonna if you're gonna run the length of California, Highway One is all the way definitely, to definitely a way to do it. I mean, yeah. going through some beach towns, you it's not too busy with traffic yet. Busy enough, where so I don't know. It's it's definitely the way to, to do it. I was, I don't I don't remember I don't remember how where you were at the point, but there was a time you put super glue on your nipples. Yeah, right. You super glue taped your nipple or yeah. your uh <laughs> your nipple or something like that. And I was I was actually I was actually doing a, a podcast that day. I was interviewing Alex Peckoff who ran across Greece. Yeah, and. I I referenced you in, in in that conversation. He's like, oh, did you see him today? He's he super he's he super glued band aids to his nipples, and we were talking <laughs> about how much of a pain in the ass that would have had to have taken off uh, <laughs> that night. <laughs> so took off a was, lot of hair. Which that that in itself shows you what kind of reach you had with this thing. And, you know, you were you had people that were following along that you probably wouldn't have thought yeah we're we're following your trend i mean and i think that's you know we talked earlier about about you run across golden gate and i don't want to you know circle back around because i want to bring up uh the pretty much the reason why this you were doing this Mm. and i think it's it's very important to show that this did help out people it did kind of inspire people to you know to go on an extra day or you know they rethink everything right because there was times And I reached out to you a couple of times after I saw some of your posts that you were just down in the dumps, man. And I was like, and I'm sure you got that from a lot of people, but it's, but I think you being open and honest the entire way Mm -hmm. and kind of just opening up and, and letting people know who, what you're thinking, who, you know, who you are this whole entire time instead of hiding it, putting this smiling face on and bright, you know, like, Hey, mm-hmm. it's good attitude on all the time. I, I commend you for, for doing that because I definitely know you touch people. And I was talking to my wife about this after, after she had had a chance to meet you and, uh, mm-hmm. in, in Carlsbad there, she actually started following you the entire way and was always asking me questions about it and stuff. So it, as, then she started talking to people in the hospital about you. And so it was, it was oh. really kind of cool and and how that one example kind of steamrolls into yeah. other people finding out what you're doing and, and everything else. So, how like you and you partnered yourself with Bigger Than the Trails? Um, so kind of connect the dots on how this kind of worked itself together, I guess, and, and where you're at now with that, and and kind of talk about that that point of the outreach aspect of it and how yeah, I, I honestly think that you definitely helped out more people than you actually know in this. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It, um, it was definitely the big thing. Like, yeah, it's still hard to grasp the day after I was kind of laying there on the floor in the house. And I was like, man, like I have so many thank yous to give out. And like, I'll never be able to give them all out because like people didn't realize how like you say, like, I helped a lot of people out with this, but I think they helped me out more than I could have helped them out. Like the messages came at the right time. Like, if they weren't coming in, I probably would have gave up. Like I said a couple of times, like, if this was just for me, I would have stopped because like, why do I need this? I don't need to do this. Like, I know I can do anything. Like I don't need to keep suffering, but like, I just thought like, I fought for today and somebody messaged me today and was like, Hey man, I needed to see this. And I'm like, I know there's somebody who needs to see me to get to tomorrow and like, they would send something and be like, man, I needed to see this today. And just, we gained a lot of traction in the last like 150 miles. We had a couple of guys come on and they had a really big social media presence. The guy, Tim, um, which is a funny story in itself. That was freaking awesome. But, uh, he brought on a lot of new people, brought eyes in and they, um, the people just who watched it for a day, people watched it for 150 miles or less. were like, man, yeah. this, like, I needed this, man. I needed to see this, like made me that was why I kept fighting every day because I know there was somebody who needed to see me get to tomorrow because they need to get to tomorrow. They need a reason to like, Hey man, you're out there suffering. You're out there limping. You're like, foot's broke. You're, you never stopped no matter what, like you got food poisoning, heat stroke, like you just never stop it. I need to see someone keep fighting through all this. People are like, I, I've i always had an excuse that my knee's bad and I can't run a marathon, but I don't care. I signed up for a marathon and I'm going to walk it if I have to. Uh, I signed up for my first Ironman because, you know, I see you doing this. And if you're limping for 50 miles a day, like, you know, you're in pain. Like, I, like those were the big things that really kept me going. Those are like the only things that kept me going. And a lot of times, like, I was looking for a way out and Brandon helped me, man. I would send him a text, but hey, man, like, we'd be split up or something. He'd be at the gym or something, but Hey man, uh, we need to make up time. Like highway one killed me. Highway one destroyed my feet. I, there's so many problems. The the incline declines were bad. It was the slant of the road. And I had yeah. a couple people, Brandon even went on it for five minutes. And he's like, dude, my feet are hurting for after five minutes. Like they are hurting after five minutes because of the slant on the road where you're constantly like counting on one foot and you're pressing mm-hmm. off the other. And he's just like, I can't believe you've done this for this long. And I was always looking for a way out. And Brandon was like my rock. Like from the start, like I said, there's a lot of drama. Brandon was never my drama. That guy held me together so much and was always there for me. He could have complained. He could have left, but he didn't. He was always there, always strong, like always supported me. Never let me give up an inch. I wanted to be like, hey, man, I want to like jump ahead 40 miles. Like, how about I was like negotiating? I'm like, hey, man, how about I jump ahead 40 miles? Say, screw the rest of the coast from Big Sur up to Monterey. Screw it. I don't want to do it. It's messing up my feet. It could jeopardize the rest of this. Can we just start in Monterey and then go the rest of it? And he's like, nah, man, starting big, sir. And I'm like, thank you, man. Like I needed you to hold me true to this. So he helped me out a ton. He held the camera on me even when I was in pain. Uh, I, I did three miles one morning and I hit the ground uh, next to the car. And I was just shaking. I was shaking like vigorously. My hands were just shaking. And I couldn't stop them. And I had tears rolling down my eyes and I, I wasn't even crying. They were just rolling. I was in so much agony and pain and he just held the camera on it. And uh, I was just like, thank you, man. Like, thank you. I, I know you care about me, but he like, Played the right balance of caring for me, but also we need to show this. Like this needs to be recorded. And I could sense that I was never gonna be mad at him. I told him, like, man, if I'm dying, if I get hit by a car, you record it. Like, don't care. Like, this is a message we need to get out there. That like the good and the bad. Like through all the struggle, there's still gonna be a smile on my face when they're you know when I'm not like in agony, and when I am in agony, I'm still gonna try to keep a smile on my face. And he did a perfect job, of, like always keeping me honest and keep me going. And helping that balance. Like, you know, what you said, like the stress in the aid stations, you know, cause mm. I was trying to keep him up. He's trying to keep me up and we're just trying to help each other out through this journey when it was just us at times. So he deserves as much credit as I do for, you know, people coming in and saying, you know, they needed to see this. Like I wouldn't have got it done without that guy. Um, I don't know anybody else who could have handled as much as he did. So yeah, all the messages coming in, man, they really kept us going. I know he felt it just as much as I did of like, somebody needs to see this today. And just all the love that people were getting, man, it was, um, it was special. It was something that I like, will never forget all the people who like reached out. Yeah. And so bigger than the trail was something that I really wanted to get to. Cause I have all these people flooding in with emotions and their own stories. And I was going to be that one person for somebody. There's the statistic of like, if we just had one person in our life who not just listened to us, but supported us and cared for us, we'd have a 40% in- increase on not taking our own lives. Like one person would give you a 40% chance. Like if you don't have that person. I will be that person. So yeah. with all these people flooding in messages when I'm on the, when I'm on the walk or the run or the bike or anything, like I'm on my phone. Cause like, I want to be there and respond to you. And I love it when people are like, dude, I didn't think you'd actually respond. I'm like, of course I would. Like <laughs> I'm going to be as real as possible and respond to everybody and be as cool as possible with everybody that I can. And, you know, cause if I can do that 40% for you, I will. Um, and so what I can't cover is, you know, the deeper topics. I'm not like licensed to talk about this. I'm not professional. So by partnering bigger than the trail, they give three free months of therapy and counseling to people, you know, who are trying it out and it's crazy expensive here. So it's cool that they get to like dabble their foot in like you know, dip their foot in the water and see how it is, see if it's for them or not. And if it's not for them, well, then you didn't waste any money. You don't have to stress about finances. And if it is for you, then cool. You get three months free and then you got to like hop in and keep going. So it was super special to be able to partner with them. Somebody who I really saw where the money was going to and all the money that we could raise for it went to them to be able to fund those therapists that could offer those free sessions. So overall it was just like an amazing time. And
0: people are still able to donate still through, through your website too, Bigger Than the Trail, correct. correct? Okay. So I'll make sure that when uh, the show comes live, uh, we'll have those in the show notes, the links to donate uh, a little bit of information mm-hmm. about Bigger Than the Trail um, to get out there and to, to everybody too, if you're listening in and want to donate. Okay. Well, I, I tell you what, man, it's I have so much respect for you and, and for everything that you did and did for the cause of, of mental health. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's amazing. And, and said again, I'm, I'm very proud and, and I feel privileged to call you a friend and it's, it's
1: likewise, man. Likewise. It's, it's, it's uh goes both ways, man. Having you out there was extremely special help, coming out and help me. And just like you said, like, man, like the text messages along the way when I was hurting, and when people would reach out and I'm hurt, man, like that meant the most. Cause yeah. you know, I said it once, like, I don't like going like, Oh, I would die for this. Cause like, I don't know, man, that's a big, that's a big promise. But, uh, once it went on, man, I realized like I really would. A lot of people want me to stop because I had a staph infection that was, you know, yeah. possibly life-threatening. It was spreading all throughout my crotch and my butt and my legs. Like it was horrible. And uh, I realized like, man, like I would die for this because I lived a happy life, man. Like I want someone else to hear this message and just keep fighting. Like wow. I'm still processing it all, man. So it's so been...
0: Is there, the, is there the hangover left from this thing? I mean, are you... Because like, you get to that point, you've, you've trained right? For a year plus for this thing, it took you six weeks, uh, plus to get complete it. Now, like, like, as we said at the beginning, you're sitting around having some, having some beers and enjoying, enjoying yourself. But is there, mm-hmm. do you have a little bit of that hangover and what, what is next for you and the, and the next phase of everything? What's, what's, what's coming up?
1: I guess emotionally, there's a hangover of trying to process all the love that came in. Um, I've never had like this sort of friendship, and life, like, I have, but I haven't, man. Like, never experienced something like this with all the love coming in. So, that's, like, the hardest part to try to process and try to accept. Um, but I would say, like, as far as physically, there's no hangover, man. Like, I'm, I'm still trying to get after it. I, uh, <laughs> the day after, or Sunday, I headed up to Tahoe for our buddy Aaron, who was running the Tahoe yeah. 200, and... I didn't even think I was gonna crew him in last minute. They're Like, hey man, we need someone to crew him through the night, and I'm like, count okay. me in. And I, I was nervous. I was nervous. His uh, his coach and Mike McKnight and Ben Light would be like, hey man, uh, you're still probably hurt. We can't risk the disqualification if you get hurt. But they were on the phone with Brandon, and they're, he's like, hey man, uh, Justin True wants to pace Aaron through the night, and he's like, Justin True, and they're like, they both start busting up. They're like, are you freaking kidding me? <laughs> they're like, hey man, if he wants to do it, let's do it. And so I just wanted to bring the energy, man. Like. I came in, I was jacked up and ran through the night with him. And, uh, so physically like, I'm still good. There's no hangover there. I'm ready for the next thing. I want to get after it. Um, I just signed up for, uh, the mighty Gallatin 350 miler in September. Damn. Uh, I got, I got that invite on the last day of the bike. And so that pushed me through a lot of the run where I'm like, now I got to show that I'm worthy to do at least. (laughs) So I at least had to get to 351 before I quit. So I was like, I at least got to get to it. And, uh, (laughs) you know, in my head, I'm like, I was fighting, you know, it's a cool message to get. That gave me a lot of like inspiration and motivation, just fire to be like, I told you guys I was tough enough. Let's go. (laughs) And so, uh, now I got that coming up and I got to heal up my feet and get after that. And I have some ideas of what I want to do for my next challenge. Um, but a lot of this next phase is going to be working on the documentary, working on editing with Brandon. Um, he's already like powering away at it he wants to get right into it and so yeah. we got to work on a lot of interviews a lot of voiceovers arcing the story there's so much to it and then getting that out there to you know getting that ready for the film festivals so it's going to be it's not even any it's just the beginning really so yeah. the physical feat was the easy part now it's the part where it's like now it's time to spread this message like to everybody else who joined along the way throughout this last six weeks like thank you like it has been absolutely incredible to have that love and that this that I don't know, camaraderie in that community. And now it's time to like take it to the next level and like have a message that isn't just going to last six weeks on Instagram live. It's going to like, you know, kind of live yeah. on through hopefully eternity that helps, helps people out. You know, um, that's all I really want. Like I said, it it's not really ever about me. If it was about me, I would have quit like long ago. It was about the message. And I'm just that, you know, person carrying. I'm just the messenger and I can't, I can't drop the ball. So, um, it's just begun. There's a lot of hopefully lives to save and, uh, you know, Help people off that ledge.
0: I cannot wait to see this documentary. I know, dude.
1: It'd be I sick. cannot <laughs> wait to see it.
0: And you know, Brandon doing this thing. It's it's gonna. And with what I love about it is, and, I, and maybe this is the the blessing in disguise in a sense, the fact that Brandon was with you from point A all the way through the end, right? Mm-hmm. So he he knows those little ins and outs of mm. your your story and you personally. Right. As a friend and seeing what the struggles and and successes were during this during this piece that he can add his little flair to. Because, I mean, when it's all said and done, when you when you have a camera crew that doesn't really know you personally and Mm -hmm. the little quips about your personality and everything else, you kind of lose some of that. And maybe that documentary helps bring out some of that, you know, some of those personality traits. I I don't know. I think it's I think it's kind of a blessing that Brandon ended up having to to film the entire thing. Oh, for sure. And for you know sure. that you know like if you've never seen Brand Stutzman's uh videos man you got to go check out his Instagram he's got so many good good videos out there like amazing he does all he he's done some stuff for me and and my races and I've I know this thing is yeah. going to just crush it so I can't oh, wait man. to see it.
1: Yeah. So, that, the, the last one he did the survivor one he did that like it was incredible I loved it it was incredible he did it during an aid station stop at a Starbucks in like an hour and I was yeah. like Dude, and I, I watched that a repeat for the next hundred and fifty miles. <laughs> I was like it, it was almost tight. like it almost seems like super yeah. like narcissistic. But I'm like, dude, I don't even care about me. Take me out of it. It's just like the energy he puts yeah. in it is like, I can yeah. feel it. And so, like you said, man, there are so many times where people would be picking at him during this and be like, Oh, you need to do this better. Where him and I were just like, let's just prove everybody wrong, man. Yeah. Like so many, like we're just two knuckleheads we're two kids man and we're just like run we're running across the country just like dude we're gonna do this man we're gonna do this and just oh man i got so much love for that guy when we ended like couldn't let him go man (laughs) it was so cool it was so cool just being able to do that together and like just crush it and you know why there was so much love There was also a lot of like negativity and people kind of like walking on us because like you said like there's a lot of vulnerability in it, and a lot of people took that for weakness. We just had to remind them, like, "Hey, man, like, there's nothing weak in this. Like, let's go," and yeah. that would just make. And Brandon Salt, man, he like, he'd almost be like, "Oh shit, dude!" Like, somebody would say something, he's like, "Tomorrow's gonna be a big day." Like, <laughs> I, would, I would hit like over fifty that day, easy. And he just, he would know it too. He's like, dude, tomorrow's going to be brutal. Like Justin's going to get angry and just go. <laughs> it was fun, man. Oh, I wish I could. I'm going to, i want to love it, man. Because it's going to be like reliving it. And yeah, there's just so many, so many cool times that we were saying, like, we should have had a camera just on Brandon during it. Like someone filming us because yeah. like how hyped we'd get at just stuff. So it's going to be wild.
0: Brother, I can't thank you enough for everything you do. I mean, honestly, it's, I I, I got so much love for you that it's, so I, I do, I always say this all the time. I wish you the best on everything that you do, because you definitely bring it every single time. And I can, there's, you're always somebody I can count on to inspire and motivate and thanks man. throw, throw some, throw some stuff out there to be like, all right, let's do this. Okay, let's go. Right. Had that from the first time I met you, you know, at Hector's, you know, 200 here in San Diego. Right. It's from that moment. I kind of know like this, this is who this guy is. I I love it. Um, sweet brother. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. Okay. That story did not disappoint. Did it see? I told you. It was a good one. I can't thank Justin enough for, for sitting down and, and talking with me. I could have, I literally probably could have talked to him for at least another three hours about what that event was all about, what it meant to him, what it meant to other people that were following along, what it was to help raise more awareness about mental health. And, and honestly, I cannot wait to see the documentary. I know the kind of work Brandon does. Uh, he's done some stuff for my events. I've seen it you know, some other stuff that he's done outside of that. And I just can't wait. I can't wait for everybody to really witness, including myself, what this event was all about. Um, so yeah, I, I, again, thank you to Justin for, for joining me and man, I'm just mind blown with a lot of the conversation, a lot of the stories that came about. So, uh, thank you. To him, thank you to you guys for listening in. I appreciate it. Again, if you like what you listen to, please uh, leave us a rating leave us a comment so that way the podcast can get found a little bit easier. Once again, guys, thank you very much and I'll see you out on the trails real soon. The Trail Life Podcast is presented by Solomon. For 75 years, their passion for outdoor sports, new technologies and craftsmanship have driven them to create progressive gear to enable you to freely enjoy and challenge yourself in the great outdoors. Today, Solomon is, has an incredible lineup of road and trail running footwear and hydration gear. Perfect for any runner on any train, no matter the challenge. Check them out today at your local running store like Runner's Roost or on Solomon.com.